Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. Man, it feels good to be back here in front of this microphone. I feel like I haven't recorded an episode in a while. Now, if you're listening consistently, there hasn't been a missed beat because we we get ahead in our recordings. But um, the last few weeks, I traveled a little bit. I took a little bit, a few weeks off to just work on other projects because I knew I had episodes in the bank. But uh, it's nice to be sitting back down here recording another episode. I really realized um, over the last month how many incredible humans I've met through this platform. Um, meeting people that I never would have met, meeting people who have done things I didn't even know existed, meeting people who who have become friends that I've hung out with in, in different places in different areas of the United States um, and been able to support them and then been able to support me in, in projects and things that we're working on. This podcast has just been a game changer in terms of connection and influence. And I want to say learning and wisdom. Um, I tell people all the time, don't start a podcast if you're doing it to make money, uh, but start a podcast if you want to connect with other people, if you want to make friends, if you want to learn a lot of shit, uh, and if you have something to say, if you have something to say, start a podcast. But if money's your, uh, if money is your motivation, this, there, there are other places, let's say you can go that, that you'll uh, make better use of your time. I want to, uh, lead, take that and lead this quickly into this episode. And I'm going to introduce you to our guest today, but I want to start with, we've, we've done a few episodes on on fitness, a few episodes on body transformation, a few episodes on food. And we're going to get into that again here. And this one is going to be um, pretty incredible. When I read our guest backstory, it like blew my mind. Cause I don't know about you. Um, but for most of my life, I've been the person who's like, man, I could just like lose 10 pounds. I can lose like 20 pounds. It's like always in that range, right? It's nothing like overly dramatic. It's nothing like that seemingly impossible. But it's like this, this nagging 10, 20 pounds that, hey, sometimes it goes away, it comes back. Until actually I became a vegan, it was probably one of the hardest things for me to be with about myself. I was always uncomfortable in my own body. I never thought I was in good enough shape, no matter how hard I worked out. I always felt like I was too, I was never fat, but like too thick, was carrying too much body fat. And um, it's probably been, of, of all the areas of my life, if you ask me what I'm the most self-conscious about, I would tell you physically, it's my body. And it's just because I don't feel like I look like, you know, the guys that I grew up admiring, like the Sylvester Stallones and the Arnold Schwarzenegger and the rock and the professional wrestlers and the baseball players. So it wasn't really based in reality. Those people are professionals at doing those things. And I wasn't a professional, but that body image 
is something that men don't talk about a lot. Men don't deal with as much. It's not out there. And it, and like I said, it was the biggest area of self-esteem that, uh, that killed me in my, and, you know, or affected me in my life and had me not live, you know, as fun or as full as I could have. And again, we're only talking about 10 pounds here. Most of the time, my guest today has a pretty incredible story. He lost 200 pounds. Like I almost can't say it without laughing. Like 200 pounds. That's, that's me. That's like my, he, you, he lost me. <laughs> that's, that is roughly, I'm usually between like 185 and 200 pounds. And, and that's a whole human, which is insane to think about. So he was 400 pounds, lost 200. He took this and he went into a bodybuilding competition He's created a business around helping other people do these things, uh, which is called the Account- Accountable Life Group. And he also published a book called Drop the Baggage. David Roden, welcome to the Dream Mason podcast. How are you doing? I am phenomenal. Super grateful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, man. 200 pounds. Like what? <laughs> it's It's been a journey to say the least. Um, I always... It's, it's going to be fun kind of diving into it because it is perspective because by the time I was 18 years old, I weighed over 400 pounds. Uh, my heaviest calculated weight was uh, like 410 at the doctor. And that was at 18 years old. <laughs> and so it is fascinating as we kind of dive in and have a conversation, what that's like, even from a perspective of my dad's a cardiologist. If I don't think, I don't know if I told you that my dad's a heart doctor and being able to see it from both the health perspective and being trapped in yourself, you, you just, you see the world differently in medicine and life when you're, when you get that big. Yeah. What was, I mean, let's like go back just to give people some perspective. At what point did you go from being, let's just say like, I don't, I don't know what normal is. Right. So I'm, I'm using that word in, because I don't have better language, but went from like normal or the amount of weight that let's say a doctor would have said you were supposed to be at, like as a kid to all of a sudden it's starting to kind of get out of control. It's interesting. Um, so for me, I would say I was average weight until second grade, third grade. And then it really fourth, fifth, sixth on was pretty, I was always the overweight kid. Um, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I, I look at it and when you, when you look at how I got there, I think this is always the funny one. It's like the, the classic position of, well, how, your dad's a doctor, your mom's a nurse. How did your, how'd your parents let you get this bad? They should know what to do. Like, what do you mean? How'd you get to that side? That's kind of weight. Well, a couple of things come into play. Number one, people don't realize kind of just that conversation you were talking about with being able to walk the beach and be able to calm yourself and stuff. My dad working 90 hours a week was normal like 80 to 90 hours a week through the weekend. That was just, that was just how it works as a cardiologist. That's just the way it is. And so you get that front with my mom being, she was just a coddler. She, 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 whatever I said, whatever I asked for, I got. And so what does the average second grader to 18 year old in high school or 18 year old kid want food and video games. And so it was, it was very much like that, that position of from a young age, I was given a, infinite access to candy and sweets and pop and, and play video games for four to six to 10 hours a day. And there was no real check on, Hey, you, you, you've done enough. 
Um, because obviously my dad being at work a lot, couldn't do it. And my mom was just, Hey, what do you want? Oh, you want some candy? Yeah, there it is. And it was just very much that front. And it's interesting as you kind of go into it, because from my dad's perspective, by the time I was 14, I was like 300 pounds. And so my dad's going, okay, what's metabolically wrong. I mean, that's the first thing a doctor is going to do is, okay, I, I can't be doing that bad. It must be some metabolic syndrome. And I had every test done under the sun, pre-diabetic, high blood pressure, all this kind of stuff. Um, and when I was, I, when I was like 14, 15, I had a brain scan done and I did have a cyst on my pituitary gland. Now it was like a cyst like thing. And after two years, year and a half, it went away. So, but some doctors were like, Hey, maybe this is the reason why you were, you've grown up so big. Maybe that's just, a, that, that that's, that's the reason not knowing it's just like the dentist. Um, you, you tell a dentist every, Oh, I floss every day. No one flosses twice a day. They, they tell their dentist they do. They don't. <laughs> Am I the only person that tells my dentist I don't floss? Like, I haven't flossed for 39 years. I've never had a cavity. I'm not starting now. Like, I, do you floss? Of, of course I floss. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm, am I the only one that's honest with my doctors? <laughs> that, it, it definitely when, plays when, a role. When they ask you on your intake forms, like, do you do drugs? Do you drink alcohol? Whatever. Do, is everybody lying but me? Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. I did mushrooms twice last year. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at. What do you want me to do? No, I, I, I respect that because I feel like most people, that's the, that's the classic lie or misconception you want to like specify. Cause it's like the doctor is sitting here. I'll, one of the funnest stories I love conveying, cause like the power of state doctors, for example, being able to instill beliefs in you at a young age that you're just not ready for. And when that doctor was talking about the system of pituitary gland, I'm like now 17, 18, 400 pounds. And he goes, you know, David, these may just be the cards you were dealt. We, his exact quote was, we may be able to put you in the Sahara desert for a year and you may not lose weight. That was his quote. And based upon what he knew, it totally made sense, but he didn't know I was eating a Costco size bag of Reese's every day. He didn't know I was playing video games for four to six hours every single day. He didn't know these things. Yeah. And so at that time, I, I took that belief of like, maybe this is who I am from 18, 19, 20, 21, up till I was 22 years old. Cause I was like, Oh, it, this, it is what it is. I'm going to just be the funny fat guy. Cause that's the, that, those are the cards I was dealt. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to like ask you more about that because in my, in my work as a coach, you know, typically I'm helping people get to the future they want to create. And we don't spend a lot of time in their past, but sometimes we do say, Hey, like that thing that happened to you or things that happened to you, what did you, what meaning did you make out of it? What did you learn about yourself? What's the perspective in that now you see the world with that's hindering you from getting to where you want to go. And, you know, I remember, I talk about a lot about this in my book, that what I saw as a kid, the wrestlers, the athletes, the, the dudes with muscles, the action heroes, like I had it like, that's what a man looks like. So mm -hmm. the fact that I was 10 or 12 and didn't look like that is absurd. Of course. Right. Why would <laughs> look like an action hero at 10 or 12. But they're all juiced. No, they're not. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? But in my mind, I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like my, mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. My body isn't good enough. Like, and I went to like, girls aren't going to like me when I got into that phase because of that. And it was this story, complete made up story in my mind. 
Yep. What were, what were those for you? Like being that overweight at so young, you know, even if no one was saying anything to you, going to the doctor, these things, like what was, what, what was happening in your head? So I love, first off, I love the way you kind of conveyed that. Cause I think talking about the past is important because there may be some big old red blinking lights you need to talk about. But at the same time, I'm a huge advocate for the, There's some people out there that's like, everything stems from your childhood. And there's some singular moment that if you just changed it in your head, your life changes forever. And I just, I don't buy it. Like, I just don't, it's, it's like, it's like for me, what got me to 400 pounds? It wasn't from some unforeseen uncle did something he shouldn't have situation. It was, I was just coddled. Like, this is what it came down to. I was never told no. I was never told, hey, these are some standards you need to have for yourself. And it just got out of control. Um, For me, this is where I go into the more dark side of my story that I like to really talk about because it shares perspective. And this is like the health and happiness side of things where there's health and there's also happiness. I think your, your conversation of the 10 pounds is so important because health has such a great balance to it. You can have 10 to 15 to 20 pounds of cheesecake weight or whatever that may be and live in a completely healthy body. 150 pounds of weight is not healthy. <laughs> chips and salsa and guacamole for the, like the right? Like maybe some, maybe of some, a little too much mezcal, but it's probably those three. You know. Exactly. Everyone has their little vice, like their little, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy life because also experiencing the bodybuilding perspective. I see people who are just shredded out of their minds that have such bad body image issues, such, and that's not healthy either. That's not happy. And so it, it is such a great balance to it. But for me, the dark side of things, um, you talk about the perfect childhood. Everyone, what, what are most people doing? Most people are sitting here probably saying some resource is holding them back from happiness. Some resource is holding them back, back from being grateful for where they're at. I was given the most incredible blessed upbringing you can ask for. Like your dad's a doctor who makes 600,000 a year. Your mom's this incredible support system, always there for you, does anything you need. I had all the friends in the world, all the support. I I lived in a 7,000 square foot house with an indoor basketball court. I mean, I had everything you could ask for. And when I was 18, 400 plus pounds with pre-diabetes, all this kind of stuff, I almost ended my life twice. No. And and the the most important thing about that is no one knew, no one knew how, how, how dark of a place I was in. No one knew that it was even a thought process in my head. The first time it ever even came up was in my first, um, my first, uh, manuscript of my book when I had my dad read it for the first time and he broke down in tears. Like he was like, he sat there and was sitting there like, how was I such a failure? And it's like, no one knew I could, people can put on some crazy faces and not be not knowing. And the reason why I say that whole story is like, what the primary focus, the questions you ask yourself will dignify where your brain goes, where your memories go, where you're, where you focus. And at 18 years old, what was the, what were the primary questions I was asking myself being 400 plus pounds? Why am I not good enough? Why am I stuck? Why am I fat? Why can't I change? And you ask these terrible questions and your brain just going to give you terrible answers. It doesn't, it's not for you. It's not against you. It just, okay. If you ask it, why do I suck? It's going to go, well, you're 400 pounds. You got big old man titties. You got big pepperoni nipples. No girl has asked you on a date or wants to go out. And it's just going to go down this negative pathway. And that's where you're going to be. 
But like when you think about what actually my life was like, it was sunshine and friggin' rainbows. I had no stress in the world other than my own instilled stress. And it's, it's crazy because that gave me such perspective on life of just like resources and where happiness really comes from, where like being able to control your emotional state comes from, because watching someone like myself who was truly given everything ruin their life mentally when it even more than just physically puts into perspective to me that it's like, all right, I am in control of this. Like this is, this is controllable that no matter what's happening, if, if I can have such a sunshine and rainbows childhood and be in such a dark place, that means I, I like, I am in control of my mental life. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, and I want to ask you a question about this, about what you were ty- what you were saying, the, the stories you were asking or the questions you were asking yourself, because I've never mm-hmm. actually asked anyone this. For me, when I started figuring out like, oh, girls existed, like in mm-hmm. fifth grade, fourth grade, whatever, whatever it was, right? Whatever that age was, like I got hooked. I, I was joking with someone the other day. I still at 39 feel like I'm still like a little like girl crazy, just like I was when I was 13. Okay. And um and I, I, at a young age, made a connection with my self-worth and the attention of women, right? Now, luckily, mm-hmm. I made that connection and I was cute and I was like in pretty good shape and I was popular and I was charismatic. So I got the feedback I needed to feel good about myself right now. Obviously, no one gets it all the time. So I would have these like, you know, I would get rejected or whatever. The roller coaster. About myself. Yeah. And I'd have that experience. And I had to learn that like, hey, I got to love me. It's, it can't be from outside. but what I'm curious about is the opposite, right? Cause you know, you, from your perspective, what was that like? Right. Cause no matter who you are, even if you didn't give it the weight that I gave it mm-hmm. as a little boy, whether you like boys or girls, if you're that much overweight, my assumption is that that experience is going to be very different from the other kids experience of introduction, 100%. To like the birds and the bees conversation. No, hundred percent. Um, so it's interesting for multiple caveats. So, um, from a young age, I mean, it, it was truly the roller coaster. Cause yeah, cause obviously every person, regardless of any wants affection pretty much and like seeks affection from some significant other person. And I went through multiple roller coasters where I emotionally attached myself to, okay, this girl needs to to, to like me, blah, blah, blah. And even, even a step further, um, when it comes to relationships where, I mean, through high school, I never, this, this is also an interesting front because even at my heaviest weight through middle school, high school, early college, I was only ever attracted to physically was super fit girls. So I'm in a very jammed place because <laughs> like the idea of like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll date whoever just because I want them to date me. Cause I couldn't do that. And so it made things even that much more difficult. Cause I wouldn't just go to another overweight girl and be like, Hey, you want to go out? I, I couldn't do it. Like whether that was projecting because I was the overweight one, whether that was just because the wiring, I don't know. Um, but even to this day, and even back then I was only attracted to ever for, for always it's been really fit girls. Um, and so even with that, the affection side of things, I didn't value myself back then enough where <laughs> so many friends could tell me this being, having the, the resources that I did and my mom, the way she brought me up. I mean, I literally have a mom's credit card. 
And she was, as long as I wasn't buying Xboxes, I could pretty much put whatever I wanted on it. And so what I used to do in high school was when people didn't like me and I knew it, I found out who through the grapevine that, Oh, John didn't like me. I would go out of my way to reach out to John. Hey, John, you want to get, you want to get beat ups? I'll pay. And I would pay for their dinner, pay for their lunch, just to try to build affection with like, just because I, because I didn't value myself, I seeked it from everyone. And if I found anyone that didn't like me, I had to make them like me. And my way at the time was, oh, I'll just pay for things until they like me. <laughs> and so it is fascinating looking back on that. But women in particular, when you, when you push into the, the college days, I was, you, you're the funny fat kid. You don't take at this point, I'm not taking women too seriously because I'm like, oh, well, obviously it's not even an option. So things were actually really easy um, in college because I kind of at, at this point made the acceptance phase of it all. I'm like, it is what it is. And so it was actually kind of funny. I was the friends with all the cheerleaders, all the women's uh, different athletes. And when we go to the bars, they would always ask me where I'm going because they knew that wherever I went, I'd protect them if any guy was being an asshole and I keep things in, in, in perspective. And, and they knew I wasn't going to try to sleep with them. Cause like, I was just at this point, I was just like, Hey, whatever. And then, so I, all my buddies used to want to want to hang around me at the bars. Cause I was around all the hot girls. <laughs> Um, but then after losing about a hundred pounds, I went through this phase where I was like, now, cause my first hundred pounds I did lose in, in my last year in college, I got to this phase where I was like, well, maybe they start, are they liking me now? And then I started getting really weird around the same girls. I was such, I was such close friends with, and they could feel it. And they were like, David, what, what's going on? I was like, shit, like, what am I going to do? And now I'm in, and then I went through this really like seclused phase because I was so worried now at this, like by taking the step of like, Hey, and then getting shut down that I actually backed off on girls for a while. Cause I was so, I didn't want to be rejected. I was kind of in that hybrid phase where I didn't want to be rejected because I just wasn't mentally there yet. And so I just kind of pulled back from most girlfriends and then kind of came back, um, forward on from that. But, but yeah, so that's kind of the, you like couldn't win either way. It's like you couldn't win when you were fat and then you lost a bunch of weight and you still couldn't win because now then there were new issues, right? Like Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 the classic misconception of oh, it's just one resource. If I just had the fit body, everything would be sunshine and rainbows. That's just not yeah. how it works. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing that. It I, you know, we I think we we never one of my favorite things about doing podcasts is I get a peek into other people's perspective of life, right? I've never been the funny, big fat guy. So I don't know what it would be like to be that right in that, those shoes and experience that. And I can only imagine, dude, we've like, we've all been there where we like really liked someone and they didn't like us or either oh, they didn't yeah. like us or we didn't know how to tell them. Like there was some, there was some disconnect, right? I think everybody at some point in their life, they've been in that situation. Um, and if you haven't, you should probably like more people. <laughs> Truth. Uh, but what, like, what was that like for you? That experience of like, cause you can't turn that off, right? You're hanging out with these mm -hmm. girls. You're attracted to some of them. I assume I'm sure at some points you actually got feelings for them, mm -hmm. but you also had this belief, like I can't have them. Mm -hmm. No, that one's actually, so 
I mean, 400 pound, David, it wasn't an issue in like college. Cause it was just like, I, yeah, it was so out of the possibility that it was just like, I'm just going to live in the moment. Yeah. I find this girl super attractive, but it's not even an option. So like the, even the idea of saying anything, doing anything is not even a semblance of an idea. The precursor to the, 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 the post of that is the hundred pounds of weight loss and, and everything the first year of college. And then even the, the following two, three years afterwards, it has been, it's funny how this works. I mean, now I'm at a point where it's like when I was 24, 25, I was almost living the 17, 18 year old experience where people, most, most of my friends didn't understand that. I'm like, guys, I was 400 plus pounds until I was 22, 23, 22, 23 years old. Everything you were doing stupid at 17 is what I'm doing now because I didn't get to do it at 17. And so it, it was this funny little game of like between like 23 and 25, 26 of like just being stupid. <laughs> and, and sadly, I'm sure some of the people listening right now are still in that stage, but <laughs> just that idea of, I just want to see if I can notch a belt. And it's like, why, what's the point of that? Why, why am I doing that? Mm -hmm. And um, now getting past that phase has been interesting. Um, but no, it, it, and it, it, and to be honest, it's just like anything else. It's, I would be lying if I didn't, some people, some girls, for example, that I find very attractive, both physically and like mentally and being resistant just because of like who I used to be. It's like, well, David, you used to be 400 pounds. You used, and like that, that is a constant, like there, this, this idea that somehow it's just going to go away. No, you fight it with better, you, you get better at dealing with it. But I just, the idea that it just like, your 400 pound life is just going to be gone forever. I just don't buy it. It's like someone say like someone who was homeless most of their life and then comes upon a bunch of money, like whether like obviously through hard work, but there, there's going to be a piece of them that thinks about their homeless life and go, all right, I'm not going back or I still have to deal with this. Yeah. Or That's always an experience that's going to be there. And you just got to kind of ego check it on its on from, from occasion to occasion. Um, yeah, but yeah, we get, we get used to whatever it is. So, I mean, I just, I don't know why I got the image of like a lot of, we will sometimes, you know, people will, if people have been in the military or they've spent tons of time, you know, even people like even in prison or something, mm -hmm. and then they can't come back and sleep in a regular bed and quiet because their experience for so long was something different Yep. and, and they, they have to like reacclimate. And I think that you have to like deconstruct your own stories, especially when mm -hmm. they're mental. So you can move on to like a new narrative that you want to create. And that's always so interesting too, with, with my experience so far with coaching a lot of people and, and with, with my podcast and speaking to a lot of people who have lost a hundred, 200, 300 pounds of weight, how you can physically change, but you don't necessarily mentally change yet. And they're, yeah. they're like, this is where I still is a, is mentality a, component of change. Yes. Is it everything? No, because I know people I've met people who have lost 300 pounds physically, but they are so emotionally and mentally stuck still in their 500 pound body that like, they're still fighting that like transition of your, your past self is not your future self. And you need to work on that. Um, it, it's, it's an ongoing thing. Just, just in any area of life. I think we all deal with is like being able to, just because you financially change and now you're still stuck in that position or you physically change and you're still stuck in that position. There's still a difference between just because you change your, your results doesn't mean necessarily you changed your mental state with it. 
So I find that fascinating. People feel stuck in that. I want to transition a little bit to like the mental process of commitment and discipline, because to lose 200 pounds, whether you change the way you were eating or you just did a lot of cardio, I know that I think I'm, I'm lucky, or maybe I've just practiced a lot of being very disciplined. Like if I want to, I can, I can get myself to meditate every day or eat a certain way. I went Mm -hmm. vegan for a whole year. I can, I can get myself to do these things. And over time, the easier they become, right? The more we strengthen our kind of our commitment, our discipline muscle, the easier it gets to make new commitments and do more disciplined things. But when you started and you started to lose weight and you said, you you said earlier that it was mostly cardio. You said to me before we started recording, Mm -hmm. it was mostly cardio and cardio and nutrition when you started. Yes. How did you get yourself? Like, what was the why or the what for, or the thing that pulled you out of bed? And instead of playing the video games, instead of, you know, eating bad, whatever you would have been wasting your time doing, how did you get yourself to be doing cardio and making the good food choices mm-hmm. on like a everyday basis? It, that's always a fun one. Cause like, uh, first off, I kind of, I really like to say them there people, people make massive change for one of two reasons desperation or inspiration where some people it takes that desperate moment where they go to the doctor and it's like they've been smoking their whole life and all of a sudden hey you have lung cancer oh shit i gotta change i'm desperate for change like that has to happen and other people it's like they meet that one person that changes their their perspective of life they hear that one inspirational weight loss story and it changes their whole belief in what's possible both play a role what's crazy to me is desperation never got me there obviously being in this dark place that was at 18 didn't get me to change. It truly was inspiration for me. Um, when I say that, so when I was 22, it's actually kind of funny how this all comes full circle. Um, when I was 22, I decided med school wasn't for me. I decided I didn't want to go to be a doctor like my dad. Um, mostly just because of time, like working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And with no, there's no control none. And it's like, that's just not what I want to do. I I'm a firm believer is I don't care how much money you make if you're a slave to your job you're a slave to your job. And so I decided that wasn't for me. So I was in this open period of like, what do I want to do? And actually when I was 22, <laughs> this is always the fun part of the story that not everyone knows. Uh, actually most people know, but my new fan base and new people that follow me don't know. Um, I got into a network marketing company at 22 called Vima. If you've ever heard of it, um, Ver Vima and all that kind of stuff, body, yeah. Um, and that, and so what that did to me on it, like it wasn't the nutrition, it wasn't, or it wasn't the, the, the drinks, it wasn't any of that stuff. It was the group of people I surrounded myself at 22. All these guys I was hanging out with were huge into personal growth, reading books, um, do setting massive standards for themselves and holding themselves accountable and holding the group accountable in, in, in so doing. And so like Luke, Jamie, a lot of these guys I'm still really good friends with today. Um, that was like the start for me. So when I was 22, the first book I read was the compound effect by Darren Hardy. And that book for me, and it's so funny because it's such a simple book. Like it, it is the most simple concept, but it is, it is truly one of those profound things when you actually realize it is like, how do you lose 200 pounds? Well, if you lose 200, if you lose two pounds a week for hundred weeks, you lose 200 pounds. So I'm like, the, the reason why before I was 22, I never really committed to weight loss is because you always look at this 200 pound weight loss you need to do. And you're like, this is impossible. 
but so what you do is you choose a program P90X, you choose a program vegan, you choose a program keto, you choose a program, whatever it may be. And you go into it with the idea of maybe this is the one that's going to work. Maybe this is it. And you're not really emotionally invested into it because you know, it's probably not going to work. And you basically half-ass it on purpose to make yourself feel better when you quit. That's what you're doing. And so for me, when I read that book and like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on two pounds a week. I don't care about how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to focus on two pounds a week. And I was 410 at this point. And I'm like, sweet. By next Sunday, I'm be 408. Boom, hit it. Let's go. Then 406. Boom, hit it. Let's go. For the first 50 pounds, it was just hyper-focusing on two pounds a week. And I was just like, every week, it was just super simple. I'm going to hit two pounds, move on, celebrate, move on. And at that 50 pound mark was the switch for me at, I remember stepping on the scale. I was still in my, I was still in uh, college and I was in my uh, apartment downstairs. We lived in a, in a triplex or whatever. Uh, um, and so I was in the, I live in the basement and I'm sitting in the bathroom in the basement, standing on the scale. I turn around and I burst into tears and I looked at myself because at this point I'm still just, I was just hyper-focusing on two pounds a week. And I look myself in the face and I'm like, David, you're going to lose fucking 200 pounds. Like, let's go. Like that was like the true catalyst, the switch for me. And on top of that, I was like, I'm going to change everything. Everything I don't like about myself, anything I'm capable of changing, I'm going to change anything. I'm not capable of changing. I'm going to learn how to see it in a different light that. And it was truly like this, an emotional moment burst into tears in the, in the, in the mirror. And from that point I had lost, I lost another 150 pounds, so on and so forth. Um, the nutritionally, it was super simple because obviously when you're 400 plus pounds, you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> I'd go two meals of being on plan and then I have Taco Bell and then I go four meals of being on plan and then I would have something off plan. And so it's, it's, it truly was a progressive, just moving in the right direction, moving my body more, um, eating less or eating, not even less eating better foods. So like at the beginning, my program was carb cycling. That was the first program I did. And it was like three high carb days and two low carb days. And just kind of transitioning from that back and forth. A lot of grilled chicken, a lot of veggies. I just, <laughs> just your simple things that if you did it long enough and consistently, consistently enough, you're going to see results in. And, but at this point, at the beginning, I kept things very simple, just focusing on progress. And then later on, when I created that, like momentum was the big switch at about 50 pounds down, um, was that kind of transition point for me. Does that make sense? So when, yeah. Yeah. And then when okay. you, um, and then how do you go from there to bodybuilding? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because my first First hundred pounds was, was truly for the most part cardio. What I would do is my senior year, my, it was actually my super senior year. Biomed degrees are a lot and you don't, you don't do it. Like my, my, it was like 140 some credits to graduate. Um, and so my super senior year, I was taking four different 500 level chemistry, biology. It was brutal. And so my only time to work out was at five 30 in the morning. And it was so funny in and of itself because contrary to popular belief, this is like a little tip on anyone who is trying to do massive weight loss. And this, this, this stems everything. What do most people do in weight loss? They try to find someone that's in their position, link arms with them and say, let's do it together. Worst decision you can do because both of you are not mentally capable of doing it by yourself. So why are you thinking you're going to do it well with someone else? No, what you should do is find someone who's successfully done it or find someone who successfully keeps accountability for their fitness 
link arms with them because they're going to do it no matter what. And they're going to keep going. And so I learned that off early because at 530 in the morning, I went through so many friggin' workout partners. It was sickening every week. I had to, because I had to go out 530 in the morning. Um, so the first hundred pounds was just incline walking on a treadmill and playing basketball. That was it. That's all I did. And then when I got down to at three years, I had two excess skin removal surgeries. And when I got to, I was, I was like 210, two, or I was 220 and super wiry. Like, I mean, for, for, for a guy my size, I, I, I just didn't fill out well. Um, and so at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm at a place now where I want to get into strength training. I want to build some bigger shoulders. And this is the truth where it's like, there's different body types. I put on mass so easy like both sides. I put on muscle very easy. I put on fat very easy. Like this is the reality of my body. And so when I started getting a strength training and I started seeing my biceps grow, my shoulders grow, I'm like, Ooh, this is fun. And for me, bodybuilding became my sense of progress. Cause I didn't want to use the scale as an end all be all. Cause like your situation, you can hyper-focus on 10 pounds and put your value into it. It's not, it's dangerous. It, It really is. And also, also orthopedically, I have a really goofy knee. And so I didn't want to get into running as like my sense of focus because I just knew it would tear up my knees pretty bad. And so I was like, bodybuilding seemed to be the best for me when it comes to orthopedically for my knees and ankles and whatever, because, because like fitness wise, I just enjoy it. I think that's so important when it comes to anyone in most things, it's like the classic misconception, things that things need to be hard for, for you to, for there to be progress. Bullshit. No, that's just not true. Like you find things that fit the, that fit the need you need to do, but you enjoy doing it. I truly love the actions of bodybuilding, the types of workouts. I super enjoy it sucks, but I enjoy it where it's like going on long distance runs. It's just, that would just suck. And I'd have to do that every single day. Like, no, like the, the idea of having to do that every single day for my fitness is that would, I would never be able to consistently do that. And some people it's, Hey, I love to hike sweet hike for an hour a day, every single day. Cause you enjoy doing it. Whatever the physical activity is, it doesn't matter. It's just being, you find something you enjoy, you can be consistent with it. And that's where bodybuilding just became, I just super enjoyed it. And I was super consistent with it. And that, that's where I started really three years ago and really fell in love with that process. Do you think that the discipline and the commitment muscles that you strengthened through this process did like how is that kind of filtered into other areas of your life like running a business even writing a book yeah 100 percent. like i think it's so important where just discipline in general i mean there's just there's just no way i literally made the i made a tiktok on it right before this which is just like seven years of sustained 200 pound weight loss and one of the things i can just tell you from that experience is discipline of consistent action. It trumps any secret sauce, trumps any secret system, like just being able to do the same, being able to do something every single day trumps some keto, super vegan recipe that is a fat burning machine. I just, I just don't buy it. Like it's just not true. And so I have found obviously that I'm, I'm super grateful for my past of being 400 plus because it just puts such a perspective on my life. I went through the phase of resenting it. Well, 
David, you're, you're, you're 6'2", 240. You probably could be a linebacker in the NFL right now if, if, if you would have done that since high school. And it's like, well, just don't take that class. It's just not, what, is, what does that do for you? And being able to just let go and be like, hey, that's a different line. And let's be honest, yeah. being in the NFL, my body would probably be probably in shambles if I made it. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, the discipline of things, it is so much fun now because from that experience of losing 200 pounds, the simple disciplines, I, it's, it's not a big deal anymore because I can always just put perspective on it. It's like, I lost 200 pounds. Like I did that for seven years. What, what, what is starting a business? What is doing these things? And it, it, it trumps everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's fitness first or business first or whatever, doing things that are hard for a long enough time, you callous your brain. You do like you, the things it keeps perspective and it gives you the, the due diligence needed to just consistently get outcomes. Cause it's like what seemed impossible at one point now is possible. So now it's like, all right, um, May, I, it is an option for me now to be the person that helps transition 40% of Americans to not be obese because <laughs> I've done it and it's going to suck. It's going to process. I don't know how we're going to do it. I have zero idea, but I'm just here to help as many people live the healthiest and happiest life they can. And obviously 40% of Americans being obese is a good place to start. <laughs> Tell me about like the best, your, um, your biggest win, like the, the story, what's the biggest win story that you've ever had that just, you know, kind of like cracks open your heart to tell. Mm, biggest win. Like with, with, a, like with somebody you've been helping. Ooh. Okay. So I would say one of the coolest stories and I, I can't take all the credit, like, uh, like ALG can't even take all the credit within John and the community. Um, Jay is a guy that's been in the community since day one. He just moved to Hawaii. Um, incredible story. He was 400 plus. He's lost 100 and, 180 pounds in the last 11 months. And it's sickening how, how fast he's done it. Um, but his, his whole thing was actually not even food. It was alcohol. He, he had a, a real issue with alcohol. And he, he literally joined our community call and our community two weeks after his wife, uh, his girlfriend slash wife left him, the kids left all this kind of stuff. And he gets on our weekly community call. He's sitting here, arms crossed, big old beard, big 400 plus pounds. We had like, everyone kind of talks. We just kind of chop it up. And he and was like, Hey, you want something to say? No, I'm good. But he came on the call next week. And then, Hey, Jay, you want to say, it? no, I'm good. Three weeks. Didn't say a word but he would always listen to everybody. And he was, and he kind of took it all in. And then finally on the fourth week, he started sharing a story and where he's at and what he's doing and watching him go from this just 400 plus pound, super depressed state to he literally, he's lost 180 pounds. He smiles. He laughs. He started his own TikTok That's inspirational. He's moving to Hawaii to kind of just live out his dream and he sold everything and he smiles. That's honestly one of my favorite ones just because Jay, it's just, it's just so it, it blew my mind of what that, what you can do in a year. Like it, <laughs> to, to think that he's lost 180 pounds in gone, not only the, the weight, but just the, um, you can feel the emotional change in him in the last nine months, 10 months is just incredible. Um, that's one of the most euphoric ones that for me. Yeah. And again, I'm not, we're, we're not ever all of it. Like there's, this yeah. is, this is consistent work from him and everything, but it's just fun to be a piece of the puzzle for him. Nice. Yeah. I think like that 
knowing like the difference that you can have in somebody's life, you know, growing up, we're like, we're so often taught that it's like the money, right. Mm -hmm. Or the status and the things. And if we're lucky, I think we actually get to learn that, Hey, that's all great. Right. And sometimes if you have a lot of money, you can have a lot of influence, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we just get caught up in that. And sometimes when we get to find out like the difference that we make in somebody's life, it's like, man, you could take all my money to know that feeling is Mm -hmm. worth. there's no price tag. And it's so cool on that front where it's just like, from a perspective too, that I've experienced, obviously one of the things that most people don't share, and I think it's important to at least talk about the two perspectives. Number one, I'll share the positive light, which is seeing how my, like my mom, my dad, even my brother, all of them losing weight and making healthier decisions just because I did is such a euphoric experience where it's like, you just don't think about that. Like how your friends and your family around you, just by you making better decisions, your friends and your family can just start making better decisions themselves. So you like, I don't want to overly dramatize it because so many people do so many things for other people's validation. This is not even a validation thing. It's not, I'm not doing this for my mother. I'm not doing this for, I'm doing this for myself, but it's crazy how doing things for myself can inspire other people to do good things for themselves. But flip of the coin, it is also crazy where even I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm just not like I, I've, there's, I've done some things in my life that I'm not proud of, but I would say I'm better than most. And to think that someone who is so, I, I try to help as many people as I can when it costs money or for free, I, I just try to help people because I have that capability And yet there's still people that resent my weight loss because they think I've changed too much. And now again, that's, that's an issue with them because oftentimes they go, they saw me as such an average person that when you lose the weight, they're like, well, now you you seem so cocky. It's like, yeah, I am pretty confident with who I am now. I'll be honest. Like, cause if I can lose 200 pounds, I can, I can help and do a lot of things. And it is just fascinating on the, on the flip of the coin there where it's like, you can have this massive change. You can help yourself so much. And there's still going to be a population that goes, Oh, well, David, and it's just, I, I find it fascinating. <laughs> I think, you know, I had, I learned that too, like in, in changing my life and, you know, going from like, I want to say a very vain lifestyle, alcohol driven lifestyle, money driven lifestyle, like to, let's just say like more heart-based, more caring about people, more trying to be more myself and improve myself and help people in the process. There were people that were like, what did Alex find Jesus? Did he go crazy? Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that definitely didn't want to be my friend anymore and did, didn't want to talk to me or what whatnot. And I had to learn that it wasn't about me. Had nothing to do with you. Me. I'm just doing me and I have to trust that like I'm doing me the best I can always. And I keep trying to do better. And that whatever their issue is, is, is their issue, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not my, it's not my, I, if, if they want to talk to me about it, we can talk about it. But typically what I learned and what I actually tell my clients too, is as you improve your life, you're going to become uh, like a blinding light to people who are stuck and, and are not willing to change theirs. You're that is hundred percent truth. You're going to represent everything that they're unwilling to do, afraid to do, terrified to do, feel like they can't do. And it's a lot easier to be like, oh, David or Alex are wrong or bad, or they shouldn't be like that, or they're cocky or whatever, then actually just being like, shit, I don't want to be the way I am. And I should do something to be better and stop worrying about what David and Alex are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I think that I think that's a great. I think a lot of people that go on transformational journeys unfortunately learn that the hard way. It ends relationships sometimes. Yep. Right, romantic, it ends friendships, it can change job situations. But in the end, if you I think if you are doing the right thing for you, that's the most important. And it's um, it's crazy too with that where it's just a real quick add on with that because yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, like my dad, it, it, it's fascinating how uh, my dad grew, grew up super poor from Southside Chicago and became a very well-known interventional cardiologist. And depending on the, your drive, like for example, say family is your drive or friendships, your drive, you got to be careful sometimes of what you're doing and why, because you may get caught like what you were saying, where like what if, I don't know if you've ever heard of white coat syndrome, where after someone becomes a doctor, a certain population of someone's friends and family will start to kind of resent them because, Ooh, the doctor's coming over. And it's like, you're the same person before the MD and after the MD, but because you're now a doctor, people just look at you a little differently. And so now there's, and so if, if, if say your friends are your, your driving force of what you do, and now that you have this friction, you just gotta be aware of it. Like it doesn't mean you have to change, but just be aware that that is probably going to come. And it, it just helps people. Cause I, I found that talking to different people who have lost significant weight, shed some light on that. And then as they're losing weight, they're going, Oh yeah. Yeah. My aunt just did this. I'm like, I knew she would. <laughs> yeah. And so it helps you kind of keep, keep grounded. Where I want to let people know where they can find you, where they can get your book, where, where can people get drop the baggage? Yeah. So drop the baggage is on Amazon. Um, it's so drop the baggage and the subtitle is from suicidal obesity to a life of health and happiness. And, uh, it's on Amazon. And then, uh, my, all my social handles are fit F I T underscore D rock D R O C K. And then my company is accountable life group. Uh, accountable life group and ALG for short. We're on Instagram. We have a website, accountablelifegroup.com. And then we just launched coaching um, full formally at algcoaching.com. Dude. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for, um, you know, indulging in the questions around growing up and, and, you know, dating and liking <laughs> girls and all that. Um, and just explaining like your internal story and your internal perspective. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I'm, this has been a, it's been a perfect and a fun co uh, conversation and podcast. Thank you. Um, I, that's the goal. I hope, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's my goal is. And it's different actually, than most I've been on, to be honest. It's, it, it was a different navigation than, than most of them go, which is fun. Thanks. That's thank you. That's the, that's my goal is to not have it be the same conversation you have with everyone. Just like, I don't want to have the same when I go on other people's. So I appreciate mm -hmm. you, you telling me that, but I, I, part of that is I really appreciate when people come on here and they go on that journey with me because I don't know where we're going and you don't know mm -hmm. where we're going. And it, it requires some vulnerability, some transparency and some trust in yourself, but also in me that, that we're going to find some gold in places that maybe we haven't looked before. Mm -hmm. uh, so thanks for, thanks for partnering with me on that. Thanks for sharing your story and, um, dude, keep going, keep helping people. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. I truly appreciate it. Everybody listening. Thanks for being here. Who do you know that needs to hear this episode? Maybe it's not weight loss. Maybe it's discipline. Maybe it's accountability. Maybe it's, you know, study habits. Maybe it's changing a job or a relationship, but who needs to hear this episode that, you know, can you share it with that one person and possibly make a difference in their life? And we'll see you next time on the Dream Mason podcast. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream. And I'm super grateful for your support. 
If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.